0: may be seated. Thank you for being here in the Lord's house today. John Taylor, come up here real quick. Glory to God. Come stand beside me. I'd like for you to welcome John Taylor Harris, our our baby boy who's now taller than me. Glory to God. (laughs) Hallelujah. John just graduated I'll oh, take that son. John just graduated from Oral Roberts University, and uh, we're thrilled about the uh, wonderful assignment that's on his life, uh, as we are about the assignment that's on all of our children and spiritual children. You know, I know that you think Liberty's yours, but she's really ours. She married our <laughs> glory to God. Now, I get it. Now I know you think Matthew's yours, but forget it, he's ours first. <laughs> No, we share such wonderful children and. And ministry family and all of that. But I'm just going to tell you, it is a dynamic, awesome thing God's doing uh, in the planet when he joins people together in such a way. And so, you know, we watched Matthew as he stepped into a season. He lived up here for a little while with you guys. And then he traveled with me for over a year uh, to the nations of the earth, preaching crusades and so forth. And so is my second son, Jacob, who's been here with us before at the minister's conference. And Suzanne's been here as well. But uh, John Taylor now, his assignment. And, you know, I'm trusting this season could be an unending season. At the same time, uh, we take steps as we know to take them. And we know for a window here and a season, he is to do pretty much the exact pattern. And it seems good to the Holy Ghost and to us. And my, the miracles that are already happening in his life and ministry and what a joy that is. So John, I just saw myself, I saw it last night actually, uh, handing you the microphone and telling you to greet the saints. And uh, who knows, he may have through the night given you something that you need to share a snippet of. Just obey the Lord here. Would you receive John Taylor, our baby boy? Glory to God. I need to grab my notebook. Okay. Yeah, great. Hallelujah. Glory to God.
1: Um, Yeah, I was, it was actually last night. The Lord told me that you were going to call me up at some point this weekend. Um, And so he said, what would you say? And I was like, well, I don't know. What do you want me to say? (laughs) And so he led me. I've been reading through the Gospels. And... He, First of all, he made me to know uh, there's a lot of unrest in this body. Um, you actually mentioned it last night when you talked about James 1 with the wavering. And this, uh, there's this unrest. There's this thing that's in a lot of people. Uh, there's not peace throughout the week. And when you come, you come to the church to find peace. That's not right. We shouldn't just have peace once a week. That's right. The church is in a building. Yeah. And I can prove that to you just right here. Um, please, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 12. In the first, uh, about eight verses, Jesus is talking about, uh, it's the Sabbath day. And the Sabbath day, through the history of Israel, would be a day where they would take time and they wouldn't do anything. They would rest. They wouldn't work. And it was uh, it was instituted by God. And in fact, in the very first week of creation, God himself rested. And he set this principle for all of the earth. And so they did that. However, throughout the ages, um, more than what the, uh, the law said for the Sabbath, the uh, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they would come up with different interpretations of how, uh, what breaks the Sabbath, what doesn't break the Sabbath, what what is the Sabbath, what, what do we do, how far can we walk, they would do the number of steps you could walk, they could say you can light a fire, but you can't pick a grain, <laughs> um, you can wash your hands, but you can't do this other, it's, it's very legalistic, and Jesus is walking through the grains, and his disciples are just You know, as as you might just picking grains off and just eating them, and the Pharisees saw this and they're like, Jesus, how could you let your disciples do this on the Sabbath and break our laws and break our traditions? And Jesus, (laughs) he says, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? Because the priests had to profane the Sabbath in order to sacrifice to God. They had to do work, but it was guiltless. And he says, I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. Let me say that again. I just said that the church is not a building. And Jesus is in the middle of these guys on the Sabbath where they're trying to be legalistic about it. And he says, I tell you something greater than the temple is right here, standing right in front of you. That's the thing is we don't get. Jesus came and when he stepped into time, he was Israel's scriptures embodied. He was Israel's temple embodied. That's why in John 1, 14, when it says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, literally that Greek word means tabernacled their temple put on flesh. So the Holy of Holies that was by itself, that was way in the back, that only one person one day a year could go back there and be with God. And if he was, he had sin, he would drop dead and he had to wear bells. And they knew if he wasn't ringing, they had to pull him out with a rope. Sin couldn't go in there and people would die. But God didn't like it like that. So he put on flesh, came out, and he began to touch people. And they didn't die. Sin in them died, and they lived forevermore. Jesus came to establish an eternal Sabbath. An eternal Sabbath. It's not one day a year. It's eternal. That's why he goes on to say, and he says in Mark 2, uh, that... It is, let me turn over there just to get it precisely. I don't like to, he says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So he says, so the son of man himself is Lord even of the Sabbath. So we put this timetable in coming to church Where this one week, we just have to get through and make it, and then, oh, I can rest. And I get my encouraging word, and I kind of get up, and then I go, and then I'm defeated the rest of the week. Then I come into church, slump in, and I get encouraged again. Then I go, and that is not the Christian life. Because Jesus Christ is Lord of the Sabbath. And when he died and when he resurrected... You read Revelation 5, and you don't know this, but I was sitting, I was right there on my knees, and that came up in me. And then you started saying it, and I started laughing because it's exactly what I, I like, saw. And, and something I want to mention about that is, so they're in heaven, and there's this scroll with seven seals on it, and nobody can open it because nobody's worthy. And they're crying. Heaven is crying because nobody can open this scroll. Who is worthy? Who can do this for us? And John hears someone say, the Lion of Judah, the root of David, can open the scroll. He hears that. But when he looks, he doesn't see a lion. He sees a slain lamb. There's a difference between what he heard and what he saw. Why? Because the Lion of Judah, who conquered all of Israel's enemies, looked like this. Jesus' crucifixion is not defeat. It's his glorification. It's his victory over all of sin. So the Lion of Judah has come and he's conquered your enemy. He has conquered your uh, Egypt and taking you out of the Egypt that is sin. And put you into the promised land that is his life and his church and his Holy Spirit forevermore. And he has put heaven. And It's not about you dying and going to heaven. He has put heaven in you. You have now become ground zero for heaven's invasion into this kingdom of darkness. So stop living from Sunday to Sunday trying to get peace. Only on Sunday when Jesus is the Lord of peace, He's the Prince of peace, and He's Lord of the Sabbath. And we have an eternal Sabbath, we have an eternal Jubilee. That's why He prophesied in, in Luke 4. 18 through 20, she says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captive, recovery of sight to the blind, freedom to the oppressed. And then He says, To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's Jubilee. But it's not about it being every 50 years, so we're not trying to get 50 years until Jubilee and freedom and liberty happens, and then all the slaves are freed and all land goes back. It's the fact that Jesus, when He brought the kingdom, Jubilee was brought. And when he said, The kingdom is within you, Jubilee is within you. Sabbath is within you. Peace is within you. And that's what I saw (laughs) (laughs) saying. Actually, may I add one more thing that the Lord gave me? I was praying the other night, and I, I believe this will bless you. I was praying in the Spirit, and Oral Roberts when he was on the earth. He talked, he prayed in the Spirit himself. And, you know, we usually don't understand it. He said, try to train yourself and ask the Lord to interpret it for you,
0: even while you're by yourself. Well, he says that based upon 1 Corinthians 14, where he says, I will pray in the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says that he that prayeth in an unknown tongue, 1 Corinthians 14, should pray that he might interpret. We need to ask the Lord so that we could both pray in the Spirit and flow an interpretation in our personal lives, not just in the assembly. Yeah. So, you know, without going into a deep teaching here, there's a difference between the prayer language and the gift of tongues. And too many people don't know that difference. And because they don't know that difference, when they're baptized in the Holy Spirit, they only pray in the Spirit with the help of the Holy Spirit. And there's a reason that you brought this up. After you deliver that, I'll explain to you Why? But they only pray in the Spirit with the help of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Maybe when they're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's initial evidence, I'm filled with the Spirit. Or when they really have a need. But the truth is, he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men but unto God. And in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. So it's very important, and I'll, I'll refer to this in just a moment. When you don't know how or what to pray, he is the one that moved out of that Holy of Holies lives inside you, and your spirit is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, why is that important? It's important because when I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. Now, all of this is in 1 Corinthians 14. I'm saying this for a reason. Praying in the spirit is not getting particularly excited and eloquent in English. Praying in the spirit and by the spirit is with the help of the spirit. So that's why it bypasses a person's mind. We don't know how or what to pray. This is not a mental prayer, which means we are extremely limited in the ability to ask for the will of God because we don't know the whole will of God. But the Holy Spirit, who prays God's will for all the saints, prays through us with a language that we haven't articulately learned. And His Spirit supplies our spirit with the words But our spirit does the praying. So when his spirit, this is really important, when his spirit provides the words, it's not him doing the praying, which is why you can't pray in the spirit till you pray. Because your spirit is subject to you. So therefore, we have to yield our spirit to the Holy Spirit to pray in the spirit. He provides the words, but our spirit does the praying. Which is why when you pray in the Spirit, you build up yourselves. You build up yourselves in the most holy faith. Why? Because he's providing the words, but his words are creative. Let there be... And light comes. So you're praying in the Spirit, light comes. You're praying in the Spirit, fruit comes. Praying in the Spirit, trees grow. Praying in the Spirit, the river flows. Praying in the Spirit is creative. And all of that, for example, if you were to use, now, you know, in the southeast of the United States, they call it a hose pipe. I didn't learn what a hose pipe was, you know, when I was growing up because I'm kind of in the Bible belt. We call it a water hose. Now, I don't know what you call it up here, but the point is, When the water flows through it, the object is to get it out the other end. But while the water's flowing through it, the inside of the hose gets wet. What I want you to understand, when you're praying in the Spirit, there's so much beyond you that's getting accomplished. But while it's getting accomplished, it's like having your phone plugged in while you're using it. You're using it for something, but the energy it's expending is it's not burning on its own resource. It's coming from the plug-in so you don't drain the battery while you're using the phone. So you need to understand when you're praying in the spirit, there's much getting accomplished, much getting done, but you're being recharged because the inside of the hose is getting wet and the very strengthening of the Holy Spirit comes down on the inside of you. And that's why uh, the reason this is so important is we're going to talk about our harvest and the number one enemy to our harvest is not growing weary in well-doing. And so Isaiah 28 verse 11 says, this is the rest Wherewith you cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear it. With stammering lips and another tongue will I speak unto this people. So praying in the spirit looks to the world like stammering lips and another tongue, and you're just making up words. But God says, I have chosen to teach, this is Isaiah 28, the rebels in a more humiliating way. Praying in the spirit requires humility. Praying in the spirit requires trust. Praying in the spirit requires saying, God, you're right about this. And I don't care if grandma said tongues passed away and those people are crazy and holy rollers. There's something to this because when I get filled with the Holy Spirit and I pray in the Spirit, the very God of all creation moves in inside of me and I start feeling like the champion in the room. I've got the world by the tail. I'm swinging it around. Where did that strength come from? It came from the very Spirit that founded the earth upon nothing and flung the stars into space and is keeping it in course and he lives in me. It is the very Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It is the very spirit of almighty God. It is God's own spirit in my spirit and the energy and dominion of God's own spirit starts getting infused in my spirit and that's why you can pray in the spirit and get healed. That's why you can pray in the spirit and suddenly get an idea. That's why you can pray because you're connected to the life source of the universe. So when you It may not make sense to your mind but you're not speaking to men. In the spirit you're speaking mysteries and you're not talking to men. You're talking to God and he's praying the will of God through you. Now the reason he wants you and I to interpret that is so that our mind can get fruitful to understand what to do. So too many people only pray in the spirit when they get filled with the Holy Spirit or when there's a great need and I'm at a loss when the truth is we should be now, this is how. A lot of people wonder, how did the Apostle Paul say pray without ceasing? Because well, everybody knows it's not even reasonable to have a job and be on your knees 24 hours a day and non nonstop. That's not even when he says he gives his beloved rest or when you go pray and then you sleep. Many times I've woken up in the, in, out of my sleep praying in tongues. Why? Because well, so my spirit is not sleeping. My body needs rest. So I'll wake up in the middle of the night, and I put wake up praying and don't My spirit's active. He's talking, God's supplying. Heaven's moving while I'm resting. So we've got to learn that's not about our physical might getting it done. It's laboring to enter into his rest. And when we pray in the Holy Ghost, this is the refreshing. This is the rest wherewith you'll cause the weary to rest. Praying in the Spirit is one of the greatest tools to strengthening your inner man to allow you to stay the course to reap your harvest. Because He knows what you need and you don't even know. You'll settle for something way below what you've got to have to get the will of God done. Now, I'm saying that because of what you're, we're going to come right back to this now, but the Holy Spirit's on to something here, so go ahead.
1: Yes. So, I was praying in the spirit, and uh, I asked for the interpretation. I was like, God, what are you praying through me right now? And he showed me a beam being lifted up, and behind it was a tower of these same beams. And immediately I was thinking, okay, a tower. And I quoted, uh, the Lord is my strong tower. The righteous run into it and are saved. And then he said, which is which is right, it, it is a good interpretation of the like what the tower is supposed to do. But he brought me back to the one beam. He said, that is you. That is my people. Each individual person is a beam being built into the tower that is the church. And he says, he then told me that the individual beams are the members of the body of Christ. And he builds the tower through the unity of his people. And each member has a strategic place in which they are set, And only they can fit. But only unity will forge the tower of the Lord to rescue his people. As we have said before, this is not the church. You're the church. And you each have to bear the fruit of Jesus Christ, the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You each must bear this fruit. You each should bear the gifts of the Spirit, which are power in your own lives. Not just coming here and expect Jonathan to do it all, Pastor Jonathan, excuse me, but doing it yourself so that when we come together in unity, we can save people and people can run into us and be saved. And then he gave me, um, I guess, a poem or a little a prophecy about it. He said, a tower assembled on the eve of his passing, that is Jesus. A tower assembled? A, a tower assembled on the eve of Jesus' passing. Constructed with new beams on the wake of his morning, of his morn. A shining reminder that the old age is passing, a powerful construct from whence darkness is torn. My kingdom, my city, my people, my friends, my tower built to bring life without end. That's what we're meant to do. When Jesus sent out the disciples, he expected them to preach the gospel, and when the word was heard, He said, if it is accepted among them, leave your peace with them. He didn't say leave my peace. He said, leave your peace. He says in John 15, he says, I pray that you would have my joy and then that your joy would be full. So the fruit is Jesus's. But it becomes to be born on our tree. And when we're a good tree with good roots built on the foundation of the word of God, our fruit goes out. And then wild birds come and rest on its branches. And they get to eat of our fruit. So they are eating the peace that ultimately comes from Jesus, but it belongs in us. So when they're eating your peace, they eat his peace. When they eat your joy, they eat his joy. When they eat your love, they taste his love. And it is only in doing that and becoming Christ-like, actually, that's what we're supposed to be. It's why we're called Christians, little Christs. So that when people taste of that, they don't taste you anymore. Because you're worthless, right. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter if it comes from you. You're not worthless. God thinks you're valuable.
0: Yeah. But the, uh, the point is, well, John, the Bible does say that there is nothing good in our flesh. Exactly. The flesh profit us nothing. What they don't taste is our flesh. Yeah. Exactly. What they, they taste,
1: taste is His Spirit in yeah. our Spirit, yeah, right. becoming one. That's, right. that's that's what the gospel is about. Is that Jesus ransomed us, the slave, and then made us another slave? <laughs> no, no longer a slave to sin, but a slave to righteousness. A slave to turning this world that has been turned upside down by Satan right back up again Amen. with the kingdom of God. Amen. That's the gospel.
0: Yeah. That, that is he's, the gospel. That, that is the gospel. Simple that is the gospel yeah. now God is doing something mighty right now there's a supernatural action that we're going to have to take on this and of course you're going to see how the Holy Spirit weaves all things together but I want to give a and I heard an and come out were you going to say something I, I saw something in the spirit just, that's, I know how to do it just follow me that's why you're here you're here to walk with me are you watching the spirit alright now here's the thing I want to read something to you that the Spirit of God gave me. And um, now everything in the kingdom has more than one application. So I'm going to say right now, when he gave this to me, he gave this to me for something specific in the assignment and my own personal life and destiny and ministry. And it has that application. But this morning while we were worshiping the Lord, he spoke to me about an application of what I'm going to share with you in a moment here that applies to the church and why he has done what he's done within this vision today in the way he's taken it. And it is Mark chapter 6. We're going to read one verse. Mark chapter 6, verse 23. Most of you know the story. We're not going to get lost in the semantics of the story Except that if you're very aware at all of the fact that Herod was married to his brother's wife, when John the Baptist told him it was wrong, she decided he's messing with what I want to do. We're going to get rid of this guy. And so consequently, she constructed a plan. And in that plan, she had her daughter come in all dressed up to dress for this feast for, uh, for the king. And here we pick up where it says in verse 22, when the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod and them that sat with him, the king said to the damsel, ask of me whatsoever you will and I'll give it to you. Now, verse 22 is the stage, all right? So she comes in at mom's behest Because she has an ulterior motive and she's really wanting to get John the Baptist out of the way. And so she has Herodias. Herodias' daughter dances in front of King Herod. Herod is pleased by this and basically to show off his his kingly dignity to his friends. Ask what you want. I'll give it to you. It's all mine to give. Now, this is his innocent way of kind of opening himself up. Now, here's the point. Verse 23. Verse 23. And he swore to her. He swore on her, this is a king's oath. He doesn't know what she's going to ask yet. Are you hearing me? He does not yet know what she's going to ask. And he swore to her, whatsoever you will ask of me, I will give it to you unto the half of my kingdom. Now what the Spirit of God spoke to me this morning while we were worshiping God is she left and asked Mama, what should I ask? Yeah. Mama says, I want the head of John the Baptist in charger. Now, I want you to hear what I'm going to say. Spirit of God said, I have sworn an oath to my body that they are joint heirs with me. I have told them, ask what you will, and I'll give it unto you, into the half of my kingdom. And he began to deal with me about this. If you, can, if you are heir to half the kingdom why would you keep your offense and ask for a man's life? And he told me that my people are so limited by the oppression of what the enemy has done in their lives and thinking that they're keeping their children from asking for the destiny that's been bought and paid for them. Did you hear what I said? My people are so limited in their own selfish desire of what they want for their current tormenting situation to relieve me from this offense, to, to carry out my revenge, to, that they're driving the system to ask for way less than what belongs to them. If you own half the kingdom, why are you asking for a man's head? He's no threat to you. Amen. Now, the Lord dealt with me and He said, I'm going in this session to bring an anointing and an enlightening to the heart of the people to remove the limits of their asking. Now, maybe I'm not saying that exactly the right way because I want you to get the weight of this. God has some limits that only he can define, that are so far beyond what you could even begin to ask or imagine for the future of you and your children, that he's going to have to reveal to you what to ask because you don't know how to ask that big. That's why we pray in the Holy Ghost. Because when we don't know how or what to ask, the king takes hold of our spirit and begins to ask for all that belongs to us when we are too timid to ask for it. We own half the kingdom, and we're asking for the head of a man to get revenge. And the king is saying to us, I am ready to explode this into the fullness of why you're on the planet. Glory be to God. Now, John, I think we're standing here side by side because you represent, you represent a generational connection. Now, obviously, you had your own assignment here today. The people did receive it. Obviously, the Spirit of the Lord is moving in a supernatural way. But to cap it, I'm supposed to pray over the families, over the parents, over their seed, over their seed, seed. And you're supposed to, if you will receive it, begin to look in the spirit and say, God, I realize I'm not not asking enough and I'm not asking for enough. Those are two different things. Mm -hmm. I'm not asking enough and I'm not asking for enough. And we have not because we ask not. And we ask and receive not because we ask amiss. And we won't ask if we don't know it belongs to us. And God has sworn an oath to you. Before you even asked, not knowing what you were going to ask, whatever you ask me for, in Jesus' name, I'll give it to you. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What do you need today? What do you need today? What do you need for your family? What do you need for your children? What do you need for your generational line? What do you need financially? What do you need? What do you need today? King Jesus is here to walk the aisles, to begin to rip the limits off of your expectation. Would you just stand on your feet? Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Uh, Brother Jonathan, I saw you standing up here with us. I think, you know, you, you certainly represent a son in the faith. And uh, we know that you and Miss Tia are one. So it's as if she's standing here. She's take one step over here. I'm going to step up here. Glory to God. Um, you may need to, let me have this. I'm going to give this to you as pastor here. Um, you may need that. I don't know the full direction of where we're going to go with this. I know that there's a little bit more instruction and teaching to do before this session is over. However, this is a divine moment. And praying this out, looking into this service, knowing the purposes for why the Holy Spirit has the church assemble. This is one of the main purposes. And uh, I don't know, did the lights dim or is it just me? Uh, Let's keep them up if you don't mind. Glory to God. I want to see the whites of their eyes. I want them to know that I've got a cordless mic and I will come get them. (laughs) just, Just looking the other way doesn't mean I won't minister to you. So just that's just that's just that's the rules of engagement. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> Glory be to God. Because we're not going to wipe this off. We're not going to explain this some other way we're going to receive the kingdom that Jesus has bought and paid for in our lives and in our families and in our children. We're about to obliterate the limits. We're not going to grow weary in well-doing. We're going to step up, step in, get restored and step out and reach out and believe God for his greatness in our lives. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The miracle working power is walking these aisles right now. And I sensed in my spirit that there is a fresh... A fresh, I heard the Spirit of God say to me. I don't have the notes in front of me here, but uh, He began to talk to me that I wasn't talking enough about the things of the Spirit. In other words, I wasn't ministering enough about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the availability of God's miracle mantle. This is what you need to understand. Jesus was the righteous Son of God. Yes. Now, Jesus is our pattern. Is that? I'm going to ask you this question. It's really not a quick trick question. Was Jesus the pattern for every believer? Yes. All right, that's not a trick question. Did you know Jesus was born of the Spirit? Yes. Yes. That means he was born of a virgin. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, her young body, and that which was born of her was born of the Holy Ghost, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But did you know that even though he was the sinless Son of God, righteous before God, born of the Spirit... He didn't do any miracles when he was 21, didn't do any miracles when he was 25, didn't do any miracles when he was 28. He was just as much the Son of God at 29. He was just as much the Son of God at 25. Why no power? Because he was only born of the Spirit. When he turned to full 30 years of age, he walked down into that river and he was filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit descended upon him. The pattern of all of Christendom, Jesus being the cornerstone, is every person in this kingdom must be both born of the Spirit and filled with the Spirit to carry the power of this covenant. I don't know why we misunderstand Acts 1.8 when it says, but you shall receive power. What's the next word? What's the next word? Say that word three times, that one word. After, after, after. What is it about after that we don't understand? How can we seek the power before? When he says you will receive power after. What is it about we don't have to have the Holy Ghost, but we still want the power? When he is the power. How can we misunderstand you shall receive power after? the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. This is not an addendum. This is not the appendix. This is not the epilogue. This is not the footnote of the church. This is not a take it or leave it proposition. The end of redemption and the beginning of the church wasn't early on the third morning when Jesus rose again. It wasn't even after he ascended into heaven. You want to know why Jesus went to the cross? He went to the cross for what was going to happen 50 days later. Amen. When the very spirit that came on him at 30 and turned the world upside down came off of him on his body and they carried the miracle mantle of the ministry of the Lord Jesus because he's alive. Yeah. Amen. What makes us Christians is that we are little Christ's. Yeah. And Christ is not Jesus' last name. It means the anointed one and his anointing. What makes a person a Christian is not just getting dunked in water and attending church. It's not being born North American. It is receiving the same anointing as the Christ little It doesn't even mean little Christ. It means little anointed ones. You see, our anointing is the same as his anointing. But without that anointing, we don't have that joy and peace you were talking about. Without that anointing, Satan is not trembling and weak in the knees when we walk forward. It is the anointing that removes every burden. It is the empowerment of resurrected Christ that breaks every yoke. And that same living Christ is in here right now. If the spirit that raised him from the dead dwells in you, he will make alive your body like can make alive his body. That's why we can have power on Monday and not just the Sabbath. On Tuesday and not just the Sabbath. Because the spirit that was on him and with us is now in us and will never leave us or forsake us. When we get up and go to work, when we return home at night and we pray in the Holy Ghost at midnight, when the flu attacks our children, we say absolutely no. I plead the blood of the Lamb by the authority of the name of Jesus. There'll be no flu in my house. You are evicted by his stripes I was healed that is the life of a believer so today i sense in my spirit it is the cure for all weariness It is the cure for all restlessness. It is the cure for all the wavering. It is the cure for the instability, the dysfunctional self-defeating behavior, the cyclical addiction. It's the cure for a learning disorder. It is the wholeness of the very peace of the resurrected Lord, spirit and soul and body. It's the greater one in you that takes you out of you and puts him in you, that makes you dead and him alive. Glory be to God, and he's here today to do it for all of us. Now, for everybody that's here that's a fresh infilling for anybody that's never received this wonderful gift from heaven if you can have it it belongs to you to you and Peter said and your children to you and to your children you want to know how To have successful, stable, excellent, overcoming kids, get them filled with the Holy Ghost. He's the spirit of excellence. The answer is not leaving a Holy Ghost meeting early because we're tired and we got to get them in bed because they got a test in the morning. There's a test coming, a test that math, the math teacher, can't prepare them for. A test of the spirit of the world that has been conquered, but my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And let me tell you what happens when the test of life comes at them. The Holy Ghost rises up inside, and he answers the door when the devil comes knocking. Yeah, there's a test coming. And they go get the equipment to pass that test at the feet of the river of the Spirit of God in the body of Christ. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, glory to God. So, Peter said in Acts 2, this gift is for you. I said, this gift is for you. I want to see the hands of every man that's still running their vehicle on the same oil that you had in it when you bought the truck. Is there any man in here at all? One man. I just want to say one man that's never, ever changed the oil in his vehicle. Ever. One man? Just one? Just one guy that thinks that one dose of oil is plenty for the life of the vehicle. (laughs) Now, why in the world do you think you can come to church and get a little, you know, brill cream on your hair? And spend the rest of your life, Shama Shama, I'm done. Yeah. When every time we come in the presence of God, you need an oil change Amen. to flush all that gunk out of your motor, Amen. to keep your your engine, your faith engine, from blocking up, and seizing up, and and and, and, and overheated. Yeah. We need an oil change. Yep. I said, we need an oil change. Amen. And it's about time we get anointed with some fresh oil. Amen. Oh, don't you believe it today? Woo, glory to God, it's about time that we get anointed with some fresh oil. Yeah. Now, I had you stand up here because I believe we're just going to pray. All right. and, and I see this in an unusual way. I don't know if I've ever done it like this, but it's a gift. You know, people can be born again. He's a gift. I want to say this. Jesus is a gift, and so is the Holy Ghost. Everything we have from heaven is a grace gift. But what you need to know about Jesus is he's God's gift to the world. What you need to know about the Holy Ghost is he's God's gift to the church. Amen. (sighs) <sighs> yeah. So we need to realize that he wants to mantle us to walk in victory. Yeah. He yeah. wants to prove that we're his kids by putting his spirit on us. Yeah. He wants people to pass us in Tim Hortons and say, you know, there's something different about you. I knew at the moment you walked through the door. I don't know what it is, but you walked past the table and I knew there's something different about you. Some, something. Gra- it's the Holy Ghost. It's the spirit that raised him from the dead. It makes that spirit of the world in them crawl like ants on their skin because Satan can't stand it when the spirit of the living God gets on the church. Yeah. And it's about to come out of your house. Yeah, yeah. It's about to come off your business. Yeah, yeah. It's about to come off your children. Yeah. It's about to come out of where they go to school. Yeah. In Jesus' name, you have help. Take advantage of your help. Yeah. This is a supernatural life we live. Amen. 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 And all we have to do is ask. Yeah. Ask. Ask. Yeah. Ask. Right. Today, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, and we can fix that if he's not, we're going to simply reaffirm our commitment to the head of the church, the Hallelujah. Lord Jesus. Then we're going to receive Him. Not just receive healing, receive the Healer. Yeah. Not just receive the blesser, or not just receive the blessing, receive the blesser. We're going to receive not just provision, we're going to receive the provider. And we're not just going to get a baptism, we're about to receive the baptizer. Right. He is the baptizer. He's going to immerse your life into the body of Christ. He's going to clothe you with the skin of the resurrected Lord. He is going to infuse you with the power that raised Him from the dead, from the soles of your feet to the crown of your head. He has redeemed you from the curse, and there shall be no curse. And this anointing is coming to break it in Amen. Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Yeah. A fresh filling. Somebody say a fresh filling. Fresh. Say it out loud, real loud. A fresh filling. I need to be filled fresh. I need some fresh oil. Anoint my holy David said, with fresh oil. My horn gets anointed with fresh oil. Glory be to God. So in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I'm going to lead you in a prayer and collectively as a body, those of us that are already filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and have your prayer language, we're going to raise the roof. I mean, we're not going to have this little (laughs) no, we're going to raise the roof. And here's why. Because that person next to you that's never released their prayer language, that doesn't know how, will be caught up in the updraft. And they won't be worried about you listening to what they're going to say when it comes out of their mouth, when you're just out there in the spirit, like them, with them, and it belongs to everyone. To as many as are near, as many as are far, to you and to your children, as many as the Lord our God shall call. It is God's will for you and your family to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God.